are live. And we're live. Welcome back to Everything EOS, the longest running EOS podcast. Thank you all so much for joining us on this Friday or Saturday, depending on what time zone you are in. But we got a lot of different stuff to cover, a lot of stuff to go over. But before we dive into it, I do need to remind everybody, please smash those likes, help us out with the algorithm, subscribe if you haven't already. And of course, remember that everything Zach and I discuss on this podcast is only our opinion and should never be taken as legal, financial, tax, professional, or any other kind of advice. Uh, if you listen to people online of what to do with your money, you will likely get, get wrecked. wrecked. So, uh, don't do that. Avoid it. Uh, so b- big uh, news. Speaking of liking and subscribing, you did uh, the second episode of your new bullish podcast this week. Yeah. Uh, you made a you made a tweet. I think I got a screen here to pull up, but uh, you did a tweet. You're doing a contest uh, because you got to build up the audience there. You got to let everyone know. Everyone knows to follow you on Cypher Glass on the Everything EOS channel. Now there's a third channel to follow on you called Bullish. How can people find you? Yeah, so uh, if you go to my Twitter at Finchify, F-I-N-C-H-I-F-Y, you can see the, the contest that's pinned on my Twitter page there, but I'm giving away a total of 110 EOS this Sunday, so you have two days left to enter. All you have to do is search Bullish on Apple Podcasts. You can search it on Google Play and Spotify and all these others, but unfortunately, they don't allow you to rate anymore. So the only place to leave a five-star review and get that extra entry into the contest is on Apple Podcasts or iTunes. Search Bullish, click on it, subscribe, and give it a five-star review, and you'll be entered to win. Plus, there's going to be a bonus winner of uh, somebody randomly chosen from the people that retweet that post I mentioned that is pinned on my Twitter page right now. So uh, go check that out at Finchify on Twitter. Why don't you try to explain what bullish is? Because it was completely yeah. different than, than what I expected and, and refreshing as well, uh, because right. it, it, was, it wasn't a typical Rob Finch. How, how would you yeah, describe? I think bullish is really just a way, you know, people look at me and they assume, oh, this guy only talks about EOS. He only thinks about EOS. The only thing on his mind is EOS all the time. And while that's true for a significant <laughs> portion of the time I spend, it is focused on building out EOS and the EOS ecosystem. I have so many thoughts as it relates to crypto trading and other portions of the crypto market, Bitcoin, upcoming Bitcoin improvement proposals. I have all these other thoughts that are related to crypto, but not necessarily related directly to EOS. And Bullish is really a platform where I can uh, not only share those thoughts with everybody out there that's interested in listening to them, but I can also get creative with it and have a little bit of fun as well. So I've been having a ton of fun making them and there'll be another new episode uh, coming out this Monday. Awesome. So, so. I, we've talked about this uh, offline before. It's like we th- there's other stuff outside of EOS, and this channel is kind of like pigeonholed. It's like sometimes we'll talk about Bitcoin because it's, it's big news. Sometimes we'll talk about Coinbase, and that does bring us into the next topic of Coinbase. Did you see the uh, the DAP uh, browser? I don't even know how to describe yeah. it. We could just pull it up. It's it's pretty exciting. So Coinbase basically came out and said that now using your Coinbase account on a desktop wa- uh, desktop browser with Coinbase's new wallet link, you can actually use a bunch of different dApps just using your Coinbase account, which should really lower the barrier to entry to dApps for a ton of people out there that have no idea how to set up an account or how to even interact with them with the current uh, interfaces like MetaMask on Ethereum and Scatter on EOS. So I, I think we can kind of ex- explain how it works. So it's like a... a- a mobile app, and if uh, I think they call it Wallet Link. So yeah. if Rob, if Rob had a, a web application that that required uh, an Ethereum transaction, I guess uh, the the four apps that are live, they're all ERC twenties, uh, Compound, DYDX, IDEX, and then MakerDAO. Um, basically, I would be on the website and I would click uh, Wallet Link, and then it would it would basically have me pull up the Coinbase app on my cell phone. Uh, which has my, my my Coinbase wallet information. It would let me log in and actually use 
uh, the apps in a secure way. And, and it seems like uh, that in the article, let me pull up the article actually. Yeah. Uh, did, did you read the whole article? I haven't read the whole article, but what I thought was most interesting about this is that it's actually kind of similar to Block One's wallet authenticator app, except yeah. that Block One's app, you're not storing any funds, whereas in Coinbase, you are storing the funds, and that's kind of the way that they're linking this to uh, these different apps that they're supporting. Uh, it, it, they like bring up all these innovations they have. I had a different link. I don't have it right now. I had the uh, official Coinbase one. They're talking about all these other innovations, how they have like the custody of keys. They have like right. a biometric uh, login that they mentioned. And this is like the next iteration. Like this is giving custody to, to the users and allowing them to interact with dApps. And what we, we saw what happened before for B1 June. Like everyone knows when Coinbase is essentially a meme at this point, and, and, but it, it continues all the way leading up to B1 June. And that Coinbase listing happened like, what, a, a week or two weeks before B1 June. And then yeah. they had representatives at B1 June. So they like coordinated it for like maximum like marketing, I guess, is like the Coinbase listing. And then, oh, Coinbase is at B1 June. So they've coordinated before. So I think I've also seen other blockchains. Um, I'm, I'm having a brain fart here. What's, what's the other... Um, Big staking one that's compared to EOS. I'm drawing a blank. Tron? Nah, the one that ha had all the uh, red tape and stuff for like a year. People didn't get their tokens for like a year. It's a huge one. I'm, oh, I'm, Tezos. Te dude, I, I, I can't believe <laughs> I, I, I blanked on Tezos. I, I feel, <laughs> yeah, Tezos. So Coinbase, I, I've seen stuff about them offering uh, like staking as a service for Tezos. And now we're seeing like the, these DAP uh, uh, like interfaces for the Coinbase yeah. wallet. And that's for Ethereum. So, like, what, what's the biggest DAP platform there is? There's nothing bigger than EOS. So, it's not a matter of if, but when. And, like, yeah, we want it in the short term. But, like, the when, I think, is a, a, a for sure thing that we could uh, anticipate happening, hopefully oh, soon. I totally agree. Especially, I mean, the fact that you pointed out Block One's new relationship with Coinbase makes a ton of sense. It's not just that EOS got integrated into just the normal Coinbase platform. It's on Coinbase Pro. It's in Coinbase Custody, where they say they'll soon allow their Coinbase Custody customers to actually vote as well, and hopefully that'll uh, include EOS. Um, but they're also in Coinbase Earn, where I guess it's Block One who must be supplying that that free EOS, that free money that they're they're sort of dishing out for learning about it. But the Block One now, the point is, has a very very good relationship with Coinbase. So I would not be surprised to see Coinbase add EOS DApps in the future uh, to that wallet link application. But ultimately, it's a great move forward for the entire crypto industry that should get more active users into the DApp ecosystem overall, because that's something that uh, the entire space definitely needs. Uh, so we skipped some topics. Let's go back. ENS marketplace yeah. is, uh, uh, kicking off. Uh, do we have a timeline on that? Because you didn't actually give me that for the notes. Uh, yeah, we don't have a, a timeline we want to share yet, uh, yet publicly, but I will say that I have tested the entire functionality. I've tested listing a name, editing a name, canceling a name, buying a name, and everything works flawlessly from a smart contract standpoint. So right now, what we're really focused on is just polishing the UI and UX a little bit more so that it's a good experience. Everybody can understand how to use it. Um, what's kind of amazing about the whole process, too, is that from the outside, it seems like a relatively simple problem. Like, okay, you know, transfer ownership of this account to this account. But when you get into the weeds of it, it's actually an incredibly complex technical feat to be able to securely and in some ways trustlessly transfer that account from one party to the other and make sure the person gets paid. So our, our devs have been working really hard on that. And uh, they finally finished it all. So we hope to get it out pretty soon. It's just a matter now of polishing the UI and UX. And then you'll be able to sell all your EOS account names and buy new ones on EOS name service as well. 
That's awesome. I know, I know since the time you've announced it, there's always people like asking, like, this is like yeah. the when Coinbase for, for ENS. It's like a oh, much 100%. smaller audience, but when marketplace and it, yeah. it's cool that you guys are getting well, close. By far out of all the features we've gotten requests for, whether it's new names or another site feature or something else, the marketplace is the number one feature by a massive margin. So there are a ton of people out there that are waiting to use this both to you know, buy some names that they've sort of been looking on and are, are waiting for a secure place to do it, but also to sell some of their own names that they maybe have bought on EOS name service already. All right, we're back on track with the topics, Rob. So we we're supposed to end the Coinbase topic with uh, discussing like if Western exchanges, if we thought they would ever launch a BP or start voting with their tokens or letting their users vote with their tokens. And I, I kind of wanted to ha have some discussion around that. Do you, do you foresee that Coinbase will ever uh, vote with uh, their custody custody tokens that they currently have. So nothing changes, oh, but they start voting. I think the main difference is that it won't be Coinbase themselves actually voting, like we see in a lot of these uh, Eastern exchanges where Huobi Pool comes out and they vote, you know, on behalf of their customers. I think it will likely be the actual people that are custodying their EOS with Coinbase custody that then can log in and sort of cast their vote. You know, if you're a big institution like Galaxy Digital and you own say five million EOS and you're custodying with Coinbase custody, then they'll give you the option to vote those EOS through Coinbase custody as well. Mm -hmm. So I think it'll be a little bit less of a direct target where you can just go to Coinbase and say, hey, Coinbase, vote your 100 million mm -hmm. EOS. Instead, it'll be, okay, find you know, the 10 huge clients that are a part of Coinbase custody, go after them to encourage them to vote for people on the network. But ultimately on the Coinbase custody page, it does say that they have a governance portal coming soon. So I'm looking forward to seeing that and getting more tokens out there voting on the EOS mainnet. I'm excited for that too. So that would kind of balance the the, the global powers because like right now there, there's all this, uh, I mean, it, it's it's a valid conversation to be having of the Eastern lean for the block producers. And every every week for like the last two months, we, we've been discussing it. Uh, but but it got a little out of control this week. We had we 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 had some Twitter drama, and this isn't oh uh, the first time ever Apedia has uh, been involved in some Twitter drama. So let's uh, let, let's kick off the drama story from the top with Larry Sanger and his uh, his, his tweet that had everyone up in arms about it. But we'll, we'll get into why it's not a big deal before we get into yeah, it. Yeah. So Larry came out on Twitter and he said, "quote We cannot continue to build DApps on EOS if the network is de facto centralized in the hands of the Chinese." I've been making noise internally at Everipedia about this since I learned about it earlier this summer. Sorry, but it can't go on much longer as far as I'm concerned. So that that kind of got everyone uh, like going panic mode on Telegram and yeah. stuff. Everyone's like, oh, is, is Everipedia leaving EOS? What's going on? What's going on? And it actually ca caused enough of a stir that, that uh, Brendan Bloomer actually had to chime in. And he, he came in and he, uh, let me pull this up. Yeah, Brennan came and he said, uh, to claim EOS is centralized because you don't like who the token holders have voted for just doesn't hold up. It's quite simple. EOS was designed to reflect the will of the token holders opposed to mining pools and those with asymmetrical access to cheap electricity and hardware. And then he continued and he said, centralized is a subjective, non-constructive term that avoids any meaningful discussion on specifics of governance. So it seems like he's trying to encourage people to really talk about the specifics of the actual underlying DPoS mechanism mm -hmm. and how block producers are elected on EOS instead of just going, oh, it's centralized, it's bad, we gotta get rid of it. Really talk about the specifics and figure out ways to maybe change that system that is currently working as intended uh, where the token holders get to I, I agree. Like when putting up these notes, I, I remembered um, like one of the reasons Larry Sanger might feel so strongly about this is because he comes from Wikipedia 
And yeah. Wikipedia has been notoriously censored uh, by, by, by China since 2015. Yeah. Like officially, everything's censored. But going back all the way to 2004, it's been intermittently censoring different things. Um, so, so he comes from that background. So he might be a little bit more sensitive to the issue. And I mean, it, it's, it's an issue we all know about. But we're, like, like I think how you explained what Brendan said is like instead of just coming out and just calling it out to call out like what are we going to do next like what could we specifically do Absolutely. to change things and, well, and larry uh, sorry. larry had really good intentions with his tweet mm -hmm. he put out a whole personal follow-up thread as well in addition to everopedia tweets that we'll get into in just a sec um but larry basically summarized by saying uh we like other blockchain apps eos and otherwise should consider all these factors seriously and not ignore them and in the previous tweet um, he said, considering the current situation with EOS block producers, app developers need to consider all vulnerabilities, including protection of free speech. These concerns just reflect good system design and our core commitments of ours. So I think that's really the touch point is that, you know, people are definitely concerned about, hey, if all of these block producers are hosting infrastructure behind the Chinese firewall, could the Chinese government come in and start censoring things or prevent freedom of speech on a platform like Everipedia that is dependent on EOS? Um, so it's coming from a good place and it is a consideration that everybody needs to keep in mind. Um, but I agree with Brendan that, you know, we need to talk on the specifics of what to change rather than just sort of, uh, you know, how do I say this without cursing, <laughs> without well, crapping all over the, the system? You know? Well, I, I wanted to bring this topic up. One, because it's funny because uh, it's not the first time Everipedia had to have Daddy Bloomer come in and, and spank them. Uh, <laughs> what was the last one? Whenever Was it Sam? Was he was posting like Gucci purses or something on yeah, Instagram. Yeah, he posted a bunch of extravagant purchases. And then there was like a Snapchat <laughs> story of somebody's Lamborghini, which I think turned out not to be theirs. But it was like this whole, whole drama. But so I, I wanted to bring this up because in all seriousness, I, people are bringing up like censorship and the chances of censorship because of the BP situation. And for a, a complete dap like Everpedia to be censored in China on EOS, the only way that could happen would be if all 21 of the producing nodes and any backup node who had a chance of popping in, they would all have to blacklist that smart contract and say, we will not process transactions for that smart contract. If any of those 21 nodes doesn't have that DAP uh, blacklisted, then the transaction's going to eventually go through. It's very difficult. And that, that's, Dan's even said, that's why he made it, you need 21 out of 21 to, to censor something because it's not supposed to be easy. Uh, it, it caused problems back uh, whenever we were maintaining that block producer blacklist. Is that still even a thing, Rob? Do you guys still maintain uh, that? It's not really a thing anymore. I mean, we maintain it just as kind of like and uh, in, in sort of like a, a relic from the past at this point, I guess, just in case, you know, so some of those uh, hacked funds don't go through. But I think for the most part, the blacklist is not maintained. But to your point, I mean, it, it not being a Byzantine fault tolerant blacklist um, is actually a very good thing because then, you know, uh, platforms like Everpedia can't be censored in the event that the Chinese government tries to do something. But again, right now, there's absolutely no evidence of any kind of censorship going on on the EOS mainnet. So it's really a non-issue at this point, but something that everybody is considering, including people like EOS New York, who are writing a new governance proposal uh, when it comes to the future of the network. Yeah, I, I just remember when... Um there were some frozen funds from like a hack or something and there was a blacklist and then some BP came from like number 28 into the top 21 and then the transaction went through and everyone was all up in arms because they're like, why'd you let this blacklisted transaction go through? It's yeah. so hard to censor on, on the US mainnet that even 
back in the golden days, right? Whenever all of the, the Genesis BPs were, were running the whole show, things would still fall through the cracks and it was almost impossible to censor even like bad actors. So yeah. to censor a good actor for, for like no good reason at all is ne next to impossible. Absolutely. And ultimately, that's the way that the system should be designed. We shouldn't be building a system where it's easy to censor people because, in my opinion, that defeats one of the core tenets of a blockchain, which is that it should be very, very censorship resistant. Um, and Mark Woods has a good question in the, the chat as well. Shout out to you, Mark. He says, what's the timeline of the EOS New York proposition? He's been waiting and waiting. I don't know the specific timeline as well, but I do know from the EOS New York team that it is a, a pretty complete governance overhaul. They have a lot of interesting proposals in there. And I saw a tweet from Rick Schlesinger. Uh, from EOS New York as well, sort of on top of this Larry Sanger tweet saying that, hey, they're working on it and it should be out soon. So we did just get that update from them, uh, I guess that was yesterday. And uh, I look forward to seeing it whenever it is released. Some other uh, good news coming out of the Everpedia team. Outside of the, the yeah. little Twitter spat here, uh, they uh, dropped an update this morning on, on the predict uh, prediction market, which launched uh, on Kylan Testnet, I think maybe like a month ago. Yeah. And based on all the feedback they got and their, their development that they've had since then, uh, they dropped a blog article today. You want to kind of kick it off, Rob? Yeah, so this is pretty exciting. They have a, a little quote here from their uh, post that said, oh, actually, that's for the uh, Predict Bank. Um, the the predict, uh, prediction market that they're putting out is very similar to Augur, if you've heard, if you've heard of that DAP on Ethereum. Um, but essentially what it allows you to do is place a bet on the outcome of some event. So this could be something as grand as who do you think is going to get the next uh, you know, Democratic presidential nominee in the U.S.? Who do you think is going to be the next president? Or it could be something as trivial as do you think the price of Bitcoin tomorrow will be above or below $10,000? And you can either bet that it will be above or bet that it will be below. And then using a series of oracles, whether it's from something like the DAP network with their oracle services, which I believe is mentioned in the, the predict white paper and sort of overview, or another service, they can verify which result is true and then sort of pay out the winners of that as well. But it, it seems like a pretty interesting update. And uh, is it true that they've also built in some kind of a referral program in this last update as well? Yeah. So th thanks, Mark. If uh, Rob's voice had an echo on this post, let me know if this, that fixed it. Uh, I think it might have. Um, yeah. So uh, I, I can't even remember what you just said. <laughs> Oh, oh, the referral program. Yeah, yes. Program. Yeah. yeah. So this is awesome. So uh, if, if you it's very similar um, to how, how Lumios uh, is and was, which um, I, I guess I could bring that up. We, we didn't say it last week, but I just brought up Ali uh, from, from Lumios yeah. passed away last week. Um, so it's really sad. It was someone that, man, I didn't want to even get on this topic today, but it was someone that I, I uh, kind of built a good relationship with over the last year, bumped into him a bunch of times. But whenever you created a pool on Lumios or when you do create a pool on Lumios, because the project I think is continuing, when you create a pool on Lumios, whoever creates the pool is the more people that take the pool, uh, like some, some of the loom generated would go to the pool creator. Um, and it, okay. this is going to be very similar where if Rob creates a prediction market, he's going to create a prediction market saying, is it going to rain tomorrow? And then he could talk about it on the Everything EOS podcast and say, hey, everyone in the audience, if you think it's going to rain tomorrow, vote yes. If you think it's not going to rain tomorrow, vote no. And if Rob's able to stir up enough like a attention to this prediction market and get traffic to it and get volume to it, he earns like a referral percentage of all that traffic because he's the one that, that created the marketplace. So I think that's pretty cool. And that uh, should help spread it out, out whenever it's um, ready to go viral. Oh, absolutely. Well, and if you look at Augur, which never really had a lot of success for a lot of different reasons, they were at less than 100 daily active users for a while, despite being one of the most 
you know, highly touted and publicized dApps building on Ethereum, transaction fees and network issues sort of slowed it down. But hopefully this and the subsequent referral program, it all being built on EOS with no fees should really help blow up that prediction market and make it a new one so that we don't have to use centralized prediction markets like predicted.com and uh, other places like that. Man, we, we, we got away from Twitter. You think we should go, go back to Twitter? Oh, I did see that Dan had some interesting uh, tweets again. Another man. I, I get to try a brand new screen. This this tweet's so good. <laughs> I, I gotta I gotta make it real big. Hold on. Whoop. Yeah. All right. There we go. Full screen. Dan Larimer scaling Bitcoin. Read it, Robbie. So Dan said, "What if I told you there is a way to support infinite scaling of Bitcoin and EOS transactions? Notice the and, not that Bitcoin is being scaled on EOS." with complete privacy and no fees. What if Lightning is a complete waste of time, which I kind of agree with in uh, some respects anyway. <laughs> so this isn't the first time he's brought up scaling Bitcoin. It, it's This is becoming like the next EOS meme here, is EOS, EOS scaling Bitcoin, which it, it, it's happening uh, whether Block One's do it or, doing it or not, like, yeah. like at Liquid Apps with Liquid Link, like we, we have, technology connecting blockchains and, and it's not just us it's not just block one everyone's trying to do this so I, I think it's not a, it's another case of not if but when but right. what, what do you think is going on do you think this is in anticipation of something that that'll be released soon or do you think it's just stirring the pot what, what do you think you about know, honestly this? i think if we look at dan and all of his what if tweets dan at the end of the day is a visionary so he's going to share his thoughts whether it's concrete plans or, or just an idea that he has i would venture to guess that this, along with probably 95 or 99% of the other what if tweets he puts out are simply just that. They're just tweets. He's sort of getting you know opinions and feedback from the community. He's putting out these interesting thought provoking um, tweets rather than saying, hey, these are the concrete plans that we're definitely gonna do. This is definitely gonna happen. So there were a lot of people freaking out, for example, within the POS community saying, oh my God, Dan is gonna make some privacy solution. POS is gonna be worthless now because Dan and Block One are gonna come out with it, which for a variety of reasons, I don't think is gonna happen. Mm -hmm. uh, number one, regulatory. If they can barely even put out a voice token in the US that's you know not private at all, it's this totally public transparent thing with KYC, I highly doubt Block One is gonna get involved in the legal battle of putting out a privacy token as well. So I don't think that's gonna happen, but also just from a, uh, you know, you know, an overall sort of macro standpoint of Dan's tweets. I think it's a great thing that he can tweet things like this. But if we all want him to tweet more things like this, more ideas, more of what's going on, you know, app block one, what's going on in his head, the, the things that he's thinking about for the future of this entire ecosystem, we need to not take everything he says so seriously mm -hmm. and as fact, because if we continue to take all of these tweets as oh, Dan is building this, it must be this thing, it's a concrete plan, then he and the lawyers and everybody at Block One are gonna be much less likely to communicate more often. So I think we should just take it at face value. You know, it's an interesting idea and something that's kind of a thought experiment at this point, but I highly doubt, at least right now, that it's concrete plans of something that will definitely be released. It's a thought extension. So the yeah. what if I told you is a throwback uh, to something, this is late November, yeah. Uh, 2018, Dan, this is like the shower coin uh, quotes here. So whenever Dan, he popped into Telegram sometime in November and just went on a like, what if I told you spree he said, what if I told you I've solved privacy and infinite scalability, which he in this recent tweet, he brought up privacy again, and infinite scaling. So same exact topic he brought up then. What if I told you 10 million TPS, no fees? That's that's insane. I don't know how he would do it. So I don't know how I could take <laughs> that seriously. Uh, what if I told you no RAM or disk issues? I'd ask you how. What if I told you everyone could run a full node? I don't know how you do that. Maybe if it was on your mobile phone, I could see something like that. Um, 
and what if I told you no voting or staking? So th this is something, he didn't bring up Bitcoin in this one. That's the right. difference. But the infinite scaling and privacy with no fees, he, he brought up again. So yeah, absolutely. It is interesting. I mean, there's definitely been a common theme at block one, not just from Dan, but also from Brennan about scaling Bitcoin. And we all know that block one has that massive war chest of 140,000 Bitcoin, which I believe now is uh, tens of billions of dollars. So it's just an insane amount of money that they have riding on that network, that it only makes sense that they would try to, to create some kind of a second layer scalability solution kind of similar to the Lightning Network, but one that hopefully functions in a much better way uh, with a better user experience. He, he, he's been poking at the Lightning Network. Um, yeah. I don't remember if he actually wrote the article or he like retweeted it, but do you remember whenever he, he kind of poked a bunch of holes into the Lightning Network and said ex he like actually gave reasons why it was flawed? Oh, absolutely. Was I mean, there are a lot of very obvious reasons why it's flawed. If you look at the Lightning Network torch that kind of died off, that, that showcases in reality in a practical use case all of the reasons why it doesn't work, namely that uh, there's a certain limit to the amount of Bitcoin that you can have in a specific channel, and then at a certain point it kind of gets stuck. Um, you have to pay to open and close a channel. There's there's all kinds of sort of practical problems wrong with it where, yes, you can you know pay 25 cents worth of Bitcoin to, to play a game of pinball, but not without paying that initial fee to open the channel and mm -hmm. do all these other things. So I'm optimistic that if they ever do release a uh, Bitcoin scaling solution at block one, assuming somebody like Liquid Apps or another team doesn't get there first, that uh, it will be much better than the Lightning Network in their current implementation. Uh, but none of this is going to happen until at least one big upgrade happens, which uh, yeah. 25 days from now, it seems. Yeah, we're exactly one month away. Today, uh, as we're recording this, is August 23rd. Depending on where you are in the world, it might be the 24th for you. But we're one month away from the September 23rd release of EOS 1.8 and its subsequent mainnet upgrade. So on September 23rd, all of the block producers on the EOS mainnet around the world are coordinating to upgrade the mainnet to that new version. And as we've all been waiting since basically... Uh, the June 1st announcement of voice.com. This is that final piece necessary, at least for the mainnet, to enable voice to launch because it enables voice to pay for the CPU and net transactions on behalf of their users so the users don't have to worry about resources at all. So I'm super excited about this. And there's also something in here as well um, that I believe is included in 1.8 that nobody's really talking about, which is the reg producer update, which enables uh, bad block producers that don't have any infrastructure or miss more than I believe it's two rounds of blocks to be sort of auto kicked from the network until they stand up gear or uh, fix their gear and make sure that it is producing correctly. So it, it should be good and, and also kind of assuage some of the fears around the, the China centralization uh, that we saw on Twitter as well. Uh, since since uh, earlier I talked about how we never get to talk about things outside of EOS and I'm really jealous about your bullish podcast. We'll plug that again. <laughs> Uh, what else is happening on September 23rd that's really big news for the entire crypto industry? Yeah, so this is massive just for liquidity and crypto, but Bact, which is a platform from uh, the Intercontinental Exchange, which owns the New York Stock Exchange, and it, it's sort of this massive financial entity. They're launching physically settled Bitcoin futures. I believe they're daily, weekly, and monthly Bitcoin futures. And what's different about these futures from the futures uh, that exist today that anybody can go trade right now from CBOE is that these are settled in Bitcoin, not cash. So that means at the end of the trade, whenever um, you know your trade closes out, you have to actually deliver Bitcoin to the other person rather than just being able to give them dollars. So it, it should be better for price discovery. It should do some really interesting things when we see short squeezes and things of that nature. So I'm really looking forward to it just as sort of another on-ramp for now institutions and these larger players who have very specific 
very strict investment agreements to be able to access crypto in some way, starting, of course, with Bitcoin and then likely expanding to many other cryptos uh, throughout the ecosystem. So that, that's some exciting news. Uh, yeah. So I don't think these two are related, uh, but they are happening on the same day. So it's, it's, it's going to be really cool for just us in EOS because anyone uh, in EOS should be anyone in crypto in general should be bullish about backed. This has been oh, over definitely. a year in the making. Uh, this has been like uh, uh, they're the, so they're the first uh, future or they're the first futures market or was it futures options derivatives they're yeah, the first future. market that didn't get outright denied to settle in Bitcoin so like that was the bullish news like last year was like oh they only got delayed they're not denied it'll it'll, <laughs> it'll go live in February then February came around like you just didn't hear anything it just kept getting kicked 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 so it, it, it's nice to finally see it it's like things always take longer than we think they will. Oh, I thought definitely. backed was coming like before the end of last year. And now, now yeah, I mean, I think it was, it was supposed to initially and then they sort of postponed it. And like you said, I mean, they've been kicking the can down the road, but for good reasons. And one of those was regulatory approval. And now that that regulatory approval is there, they have the, the approval of the U.S. government and uh, all their related ABC agencies to, to go out and actually launch this product. We, uh, we now have this official on-ramp for institutions. It's actually settled in Bitcoin, which is uh, bigger than a lot of people um, are sort of talking about it now. I know a lot of the Bitcoin community is talking about it, but this really positively impacts the entire crypto space. Uh, so it, September 23rd should be an awesome day, both for EOS and uh, Bitcoin. Let's see. We, could, we can kind of freestyle here. So there's some other news. Uh, Wordproof, uh, he messaged yeah. us to make sure we brought this up. Uh, 100,000 timestamps here. I think I made, a, I made a graphic for this. Here you go, Sebastian. Boom. Yeah, this is huge. So uh, this means that 100,000 different pieces of content have been timestamped on, uh, I believe it's either EOS or Telos, depending on which one they choose in the app, but it's been timestamped on an EOS IO blockchain 100,000 times. So it's pretty amazing and shows that people are out there actually using dApps that are built on this technology. I'll, I'll pull it up, how, what it looks like. Uh, I don't think you could see it, Rob, but I'm on the EOS Writer site and I'm going to click on the bullish podcast because uh, Kenny EOS Writer must have uh, posted it for you. But at the bottom of every blog article, you see like view this contents uh, word proof time certificate. And it's basically a, a transaction on the blockchain that timestamps when, when this iteration of the article was published. And if you changed anything on this article, like if I added a period or removed a period, then I re-timestamped it, like the hash would completely change. So you would know that the, the article changed. So that's so awesome. I mean, this is something that will likely become a standard for publishing any kind of content online, especially in an era where so much content is stolen. You know, somebody sees a tweet going viral on Twitter and they steal it and they post it on Facebook and claim it's theirs. And then there's a battle of who posted it first. But if you can timestamp your content on a blockchain, you have this sort of concrete proof that yes, you created it first, you timestamped it first, it's your content. So I expect it to be a standard going forward. You know, five years from now, every single piece of content that anybody publishes is going to be timestamped on a blockchain, likely using something like WordPress. I think Bloomer, uh, he tweeted that a while ago, that, like everything would be timestamped on. Yeah, absolutely. He said, I believe similar to saying it's negligent to not own some Bitcoin in your portfolio um, as an institution. He was saying, you know, it'll be negligent not to timestamp your content because someone will steal it from you and timestamp it themselves. <laughs> uh, so we have one more project I wanted to talk about in the notes here. We're going to call it Emanates Alpha. But I actually have a surprise thing that I found the other day, Rob, and I, it's not in their notes. Like I don't even uh -oh. have the I don't even have the right source up. But okay. I, I, I was gonna make I was going to make a, a video on this like an exclusive to drop the news, but I, I have something else I'm editing right now, uh, and I, I wanted to bring this up. So um, 
a lot of times there are projects like building on EOS or like working with EOS, like we said that like example with Coinbase earlier, whenever you would never uh, I- expect it. Right. So I, I brought this up. Uh, some, someone messaged us the other day. I think they messaged you too, Rob, from some project called SOV. And oh, okay, whenever yeah. I was like, I was like, who, who are these guys? Like, I've never heard of this project. I looked it up. And it, they were the guy that messaged me, and he's, he might even be watching this. They were from a different SOV for store of value. But in my searches, I found this SOV Global. And uh, one of these gentlemen in this picture, I'm not sure, uh, the guy in the middle with the beard, he is the CTO of SOV Global, okay? Okay. SOV Global. SOV stands for sovereign. And this is going to be a national cryptocurrency for the Marshall Islands. Uh, and the CTO was uh, on the winning team of the first hackathon. And nowhere on the internet am I able to find anything tying EOSIO to this uh, official government currency that's been, uh, been approved by the like, island of, of Marshall or Marshall Islands. Right. Uh, it's gone through the IMF. Like you, uh, I didn't prepare to talk about this today, but I want everyone to kind of check this out on their own. And we'll, we'll, we'll follow up on it in the uh, Everything EOS Telegram channel. But um, this is really cool stuff. Uh, June 6th, I think they put together their like uh, launch team for like the nonprofit that's actually going to launch this government currency. I'll, uh, I'll pull the chat up here. Rob, let me know what you think of that. And I want to pull up one more thing to, to okay. kind of tie, tie into this. That's interesting. It's a bit confusing because there is that EOS SOV project going on right now, which has really interesting tokenomics where the supply eventually over time will actually mimic Bitcoin and only have 21 million. And it's a really cool project also. But yeah, that exactly. is actually what led me to, to, to this. And um, I'm looking for the Marshall Islands stuff. Like the stuff in the Marshall Islands was just like big in the news. Like they, they basically had the, the IMF, which is the International Monetary Fund, like yeah. call them out and like argue against it. And then they, they argued back. Um, wow. Uh, it's man. Interesting. I mean, all the stuff just in the, the sort of global political arena going on right now with currencies, the head of the bank of England, I believe came out today and said they need to de-dollarize and make something more like Libra as a global currency where it's a basket of fiat currencies. So the, the global landscape in terms of currencies and, and what governments are supporting and not supporting is really changing very, very rapidly. And it's so exciting to watch. Yeah. And that, that, so I, I guess regardless of if this is an EOSIO project, like th- this stuff going on in the Marshall Islands is like super interesting. So I was I was reading all this stuff earlier in the Telegram channel, Rob, whenever uh, some, someone posted a link to what you just mentioned, that news story about yeah. the Bank of England. And then earlier someone, uh, uh, I, damn, I, I'm like losing my mind today, but... I, I, I was I was Sorry. I was diving into this with the sovereign currency. Oh, we were talking about the small nation, the small island nations. We were talking about regulation, right? And how the United States is slow to move because the more you have to risk, the more you have to lose. The slower you move, and we could say the right. same about Block One. But then you see like these smaller nations who are nimble. They they don't have great strong economies, so they have like a lot less to lose and a whole lot of upside to be innovators on on the blockchain like global like regulation. And we are talking about Malta today yeah. in, in the you know, Everything EOS Telegram channel. And I wanted to drop the news in there because I've been sitting on it for a few days. So I, I had to drop it today. So I, I'm sorry I don't have like in-depth research, but this is happening in the Marshall Islands. They could be, they could be quick, they could be nimble like in, in the Malta. Blockchain's like Malta, or bleh. Malta is like the blockchain capital of the world because they have clarity on their regulations. That's where everyone's uh, going. 
And now yeah. the Mar Marshall Islands are going to be innovators on having a sovereign cryptocurrency, regardless of whether it's EOSIO. I don't care about that. It, it's still awesome what, what they're doing. And the CTO is at least familiar with EOS and at least uh, did his due diligence on it. So if he chose something else, he chose something else. But if you go through their website, like they really highlight that he won this first EOS hackathon. Like they, they, they don't hide that it's an EOS hackathon, but it's all speculation. Take, take this as a grain of salt, people. Uh, but I'm excited about it. Absolutely. And uh, there's one thing we didn't mention, but uh, that OK pool from uh, OKX interview, how's that going? What's the status on that? We're just trying to schedule it. So we got a little group okay. chat going with myself, Rob, and two of the, I, I think they're biz, in BizDev uh, at OK pool. Uh, so we're, we're going to uh, hopefully get that next week or the week after. Uh -huh. we're, we're just playing it by ear. Um, if it's going to be a live stream, I'm not sure, but if it is going to be a live stream, it's going to be really early in the morning if you're uh, on the East Coast or, or, <laughs> or West Coast even earlier. Um, right. But I have another interview recorded. Uh, I meant to mention this at the beginning of the show, but um, I, I recorded like a three-hour, two-and-a-half, three-hour conversation with Tal Muscal, uh, the CTO oh, wow. of Liquid Apps. And it was literally just a conversation we had together. We, we blocked off time. And I said, like, let's try to not talk about liquid apps. Like we could talk a little bit about liquid apps, but I really just want to get to know you as a person because I, I, it, I, I hear all this stuff. I, I, I know how talented you are. And we, we, I got to know him. He got to know me and like, uh, I'm editing it right now. It'll probably be out maybe Tuesday, but it, nice. it's just getting a, a look into the guy who, who's architecting, uh, DAP network at liquid apps and, what led them there mostly because we don't really get too far into the technology. So spoiler alert, if, if you're looking for that, but to learn how he got there and how he iterated over these different ideas that all like come to a head now and how like he's not a blockchain OG. He got in the blockchain, wow. I, I think like a, a, less than two years ago, but he was so experienced like going into it and he built these distributed systems and these mesh networks and these multi-layer like, operating systems essentially and like it, it let him here so i'm trying to figure out how to like put it into a format since it, it he's a project like leader but and it's my a project i i work for uh but it's really just a conversation between us getting to know like a, a really strong developer in this ecosystem i think it might be a cool format that, that we could do for other like big names in this space like awesome. let me have nathan james on and, and right. I, didn't, I didn't talk to him about this but and let's not even talk about scatter let's just what, what were you doing before scatter all everyone has these interesting huh. stories like what were you doing like before we all knew you like all these eo celebrities or developer celebrities or like rock right. stars we can call them like what led you there because i know i know there's so many of them the guys at icon have some amazing team uh eo studio name drop some of them that you can think of Absolutely. I mean, even just looking at the EOS VC partners, you got people like SVK Crypto that have a, a pretty interesting background in terms of their financial history and, and how they sort of found EOS and Block One and got approved as EOS VC. So I think there's a lot of interesting info there. And I'm really looking forward to that uh, Tal Mascal interview. That should be fascinating to watch. Got one more thing before we could wrap up, though, Robbie. Uh, this is the second time I called you, Robbie. Today. <laughs> Robbie, here we go. I don't know. Uh, emanate, man. I don't think we, we've, we don't really talk about Emanate all that much, but yeah. they're doing some really badass stuff. I've met their team a couple times, uh, really, really strong team. I've actually heard other developers that are like, I don't know if they're working with them as contractors, advisors, but they said they like vouch for the emanate like uh, technical team. I, I know Eosphere is a part of this really good team, but um, emanate growth pool they announced, uh, I guess this came out this morning. So they, they have uh, this growth pool where it basically allows uh, token holders of EMT to stake their tokens 
And what staking those tokens does is it allows uh, no coiners, like people that are actually like don't have crypto, don't know what EMT is, and they just want to use the platform, whether they're artists or like listeners. And it lets them have a 90-day th- a free trial because the community is basically staking on their behalf. Oh, wow. Oh, that's awesome. That's pretty cool. I would like to see that for, for other projects as well. I mean, I could imagine growth pools for so many other dApps that onboard people for free and then allow them to try it out. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm not 100% of the economics. It's up on the screen if anyone like wants to interpret that. But basically, there's an extra bonus incentive. Uh, you earn a little bit more staking rewards if you're staking uh, for these... Uh, free trials, I I guess you'd call them. Um, And then they talk about the different account types and things like that. But what was really good, and I'm not going to play it on this episode, but they have this Emanate Alpha demo. I'll I'll play it, whatever. I don't think anyone could hear it, but it's a really, really nice uh, UI here. Uh, It looks very much like like Spotify. And then like uh, they're showing the walk-in, walk-through. Let me get that. When it's... When it's actually playing, you can see at the, uh, you can't see what I'm pointing at. At the bottom of the screen, you could actually see the blockchain transactions going through. So like, at, yeah, let me, let me zoom in on it. It's like playing in my ears. You guys can't hear it, but it's really loud. I, I, I think I missed it. But anyway, why don't we drop a, a link to that Medium post in the live chat for people who want to check it out. But it's yeah. a really cool uh, video overview. Here's a, a better look at it up on the screen as well. Um, I'm excited for it. I mean, Emanate is, is one of those platforms that, you know, we were talking about this on, on last week's episode, I believe, where it's like all these cool projects got announced and now we're kind of waiting for them to launch. And a lot of them, including Emanate now with this alpha preview, are gearing up to finally do that first launch. So there's a lot of good projects right around the corner just waiting to launch on EOS. Someone asked why, why we don't cover Wax. Wax is a great project. Uh, like I, I feel like if we wanted to... Uh, give them a fair take, I would want to do a lot more research into them personally. So a lot of the projects we cover on here are the projects we're interested in ourselves. Like uh, the other things, interviews, Rob and I had this talk right before we went on the air. It's like people are always uh, messaging us and asking if like they could be interviewed on the show. And this this past week I, I did an interview. I had a yes, DAC on. And uh, the, to tell you guys the truth, we, we talk about the projects we, we like or the people we like, the people we're impressed by and the people we actually want to talk to. And I guess Wax fits into that category of a project that I'd be interested in talking to, but it really com- comes down to time uh, and the fact that I, I don't know that much about them, but I, I know everyone who's I, uh, working with them, love them. Everyone's launching guilds these days. Yeah. It seems what, what's, like it. Is Cypherglass considering a guild? Not at the moment. We're really focused on uh, potentially launching our DSP here in the near future. We've been poking around at that. So uh, if anything, that'll be the next thing on our roadmap. Um, but I did have a good conversation, about a two-hour conversation at the SVK Crypto headquarters with William Quigley, who I believe is the CEO of Wax. And he's a fascinating guy, has a really great history. It seems like they built out a good team and are now kind of seeing this grand future where they actually store physical products and, and all kinds of craziness. So uh, I, I wish the Wax team the best. And he's saying Wax is using EOS 1.8. I saw that that announcement today. Almost well, every, so every almost everyone's using 1.8. And so one, because you can get things push through in governance easier, like with the smaller communities and like less global. But the other big thing is I think it has to play through the entire chain history. I think I read and it just take yeah. it one of that's one of the things It takes a really long time to replay the entire ESIO mainnet, but something like wax or warbly or Talos, they could just kind of like replay the chain a lot 
it's a lot less Absolutely. data. There's also there's also way less value stored on those chains. If you look at the market caps relative to the US mainnet, where that's part of the reason why the date was pushed out so far to September 23rd, so that we could ensure that all the DAP developers, all the exchanges, everybody were ready to sort of switch over and make sure that nobody's just left with a DAP that doesn't work because they didn't know about the 1.8 upgrade. Yeah, uh, other news. So back to Wax. Their, their team's really impressive. I will say that. So anyone that's listening to this or watching this that's not familiar with Wax, they are definitely a project worth checking out. Their entire team uh, comes from a company called OP Skins, and they already have a skins marketplace for, for games like, like Counter-Strike or what other, what other games would you have the skin markets for? I'm not into that. Uh, I'm not sure other than Counter-Strike. Oh, that's like the main one, but OpSkins does yeah, an insane amount of volume. So they already skins. have like market makers. They, they buy and sell like digital like avatars and skins for an in-game marketplace. Yeah. So they've already done this. So it, it's kind of like a lot of the OGs and blockchain come from a gaming background. Brendan Bloomer, Brock Pierce, they both come from like World of Warcraft gold mining backgrounds. Yeah. Uh, Ayal from Bancor comes from a, a gold mining background. It's like there, there's dozens of people like really well-known names who were doing crypto before crypto like, absolutely literally. it's uh, exciting times and that, that brings me uh, to another thought which is blankos which is right around the corner as well i'm excited for that but uh in our tradition it's been a while since we've given away a blanco should we uh go ahead and do that to sign off i think the chat's been a little quiet today we only got what do we got online here we got 62, uh, 62 today watching right now so all 62 of you have an opportunity to win this blanco i'm no longer sending the physical cards just because it, it can cost upwards of like 120 dollars to send this to the other side of the world <laughs> believe it or not um so instead of that i'm just going to send you the actual blanco when it goes live and i'll put your eos account in a spreadsheet that i have to keep track of it all so that once blankos is live later this year you will get this mythical camo blanco. So uh, why don't you send me a number, Zach, and we can uh, have people pick. All right, I'm gonna uh, send it via text message. Just send it. All right, so the number is here. I got the number. If you're in the chat right now, you're talking with us in the live chat to win a blanco, put a number one to 100. Let's see who gets it first. It just depends on who gets it first on our screen as it pops oh, up. Oh man, we, we gotta give them a little bit of time. I, I think we're yeah. on a delay. We are definitely, here they come. And we got to look out for people are getting close. I see a couple people within a, a few. Who's it going to be? <laughs> Ken Burridge is back trying to get another one. Nothing oh, yet, guys. Some people are close, but. Here we go. Ooh, Come Mark, on. Mark, Mark, I think he's spitting out the same number. Mark, it's not 55. Yeah. <laughs> it's not 55. Oh, there it is. All right. Jordan Ackerman with number 53. Congratulations, Jordan. DM me on Telegram at Finchify, F-I-N-C-H-I-F-Y. And uh, Jordan Ackerman, you are the proud owner of this new Mythical Camo Blanco once the game launches on EOS later this year. All right. So I think there's only one more thing left to do, Rob. We got to remind everyone what they got to do on Monday. They got to subscribe yeah. to Bullish. They got to leave a five-star review and yeah. an actual text review. I, I I wrote you a text review. I don't I don't know if it showed up yet, but I, I wrote one. I didn't even hide who it was from. I wrote my my name. It's Zach G. Nice. Le I left a review it. for bullish, honest review. Five stars. Uh, so everyone, Thanks, do that. Uh, check it out on Monday. Uh, I'll probably have another video on the Everything Is channel on Tuesday, hopefully. Uh, so Perfect. until next week, I'm Zach O. I'm Rob Finch, and, and this, this is, is Everything, everything EOS. Go, go EOS. EOS. Leave a go EOS in the chat, smash a thumbs up. I'll see you on Monday at Bullish. All right. And I lost the button, so we're still on. <laughs> 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 All right, guys. I'll see you next week.